This episode of the National Trust podcast was made possible by Cotswold Outdoor, recommended outdoor retail partner for the National Trust. You're listening to the National Trust podcast. I'm Kate Martin and I'm a ranger here at the Trust. In this penultimate episode of Series 3, we're in Northern Ireland to walk along the windswept ridges of Divis and the Black Mountain. I've just arrived at the Divis and Black Mountain car park and uh, it's pretty chilly, I'm not going to lie, it's pretty chilly, it's pretty windy. I had great visions when I was told I was going to come to Divis and Black Mountain. I've seen all these fantastic pictures of standing on the top on this sort of sun-kissed uplands, looking out over this vast glittering beauty of, of Belfast City. Um, the reality today is a little bit different than that. It looks wild, it looks windswept, but it's gives a real sort of wilderness feel to it. Ireland is famous for its myths and its legends and on a day like today you can absolutely imagine those mythical creatures sitting in the cloud on the top of that hill so I'm very interested to go and see what's up there. So until 2004, Divis and the Black Mountains were actually owned by the Ministry of Defence and the area that I'm walking through now would have actually been covered by no entry signs that were really designed to keep everybody but the Ministry of Defence out of this area. But even now, without the signs, it is a pretty eerie place to be honest. The wind is howling past my ears, the rain's battering down. There's very, very few trees and even the grass and the shrubs that are here are bent over it as they're battling against this constant wind. But it's not even just the way it looks, there's a really strange soundscape up here. You've got this bizarre mix of the sort of natural sounds of the wind, the gurgling water, the movement of the, the grasses, but there's also these funny sort of metallic sounds, these little pings and drones and squeals and whining sounds that come from the infrastructure that's up here. And as the elements hit those things, they make really strange sort of ethereal sounds. It's really exhilarating, especially on a day like today. Walking up this tarmac track and heading up towards the summit of Divis and we've just come across this stone building. It almost looks like a converted barn, really. And this is the cafe. Now, as much as on this rainy, cold day, I would love to go in here. I can see Craig who I'm supposed to be meeting outside. So let's go and uh, meet Craig. Hi, Craig. I'm Kate. Yeah, uh, Kate, how's it going? Fine, Pleased to meet you. you. Yeah, you Pleased too. To meet you. Yeah. So, you ready for a walk then on, on the mountain? I am, despite the weather. Aye. Well, I'm gonna. We're gonna go for a walk up the the Mast Road here, and we'll walk up here. It's probably about a mile or so, and and then we'll head out across the Blanket Bog and and get to the Black Hill, and overlook the city. Sounds good to me. All right, let's go. Let's sure, go. So you've been here since the very beginning of the Trust's involvement. So, yeah. you know, what was it like when you first came up here and, and sort of how different is it now? I suppose the biggest difference is would be the litter. 
there was a lot of fly tips, you know, and there was burnt out cars, all sorts of things. And then when the, the official sale came through in 2004, and we, we finally had it legally at that stage, you know, with the publicity and stuff, a lot of people came forward to help. You know, huge amounts of groups and community groups and stuff. And together we all cleared the place like. Even the army actually at one stage as well. Uh, a company of the Royal Irish Regiment showed up and, and they, uh, they helped us do loads of work. We've put in three main walks. The summit one that kind of winds its way up the side of the hill there. There's the Ridge Trail, probably the best trail for views of Belfast. And then there's the Heath Trail here on our left, which uh, will take you up along the Blanket Bog. It's amazing, isn't it, standing here? So, you know, I know, you know, the Belfast city is just over, am I right? Is it just over to our right, yeah, over yeah, that way? Yeah. And yet, you would think you were in literally in the middle of the wilderness, in the middle of nowhere. It's yeah. to be so close to a, you know, a capital city. Yeah. And yet, be in the wilderness. It's a, it's a real success story, though, isn't it? I mean, it's gone from a sort of area that there were no entry signs, felt very exclusive, Aye. to an area where you really giving it back to the people, really, in a lot but of really, respect. But really, we're just the, the stewards, you mm -hmm. know, we're, we're managing this landscape. But the, the key thing for us as well is, is it's their space as well, you know, so that's really key in our heads. Well, that's this then. So we made it up very close to the TV mast here and uh, just at the end of the ridge trail. So if we, we turn right here, we can head across this blanket bog here and uh, on up to the Black Hill. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? It looks quite solid, the blanket bog, but if you step ah, off this oh boardwalk, you will sink. And that's the uh, the problem with them in the sense of for people walking. They can yeah. be quite dangerous places, can't really they? Really dangerous. Like you'll just get there a bit, which is pretty much a hole. Yeah. Um, and you could disappear into it very easily. Like maybe just a very thin crust of sphagnum at the top. And look at this, you know, this is the key ingredient, isn't it? You this know, is all the, sphagnum moss. Sphagnum. That just, just holds water. Yeah, so you can see it as you're squeezing oh it, there's just huge quantities of water that, coming out of it. And you can see it. it's sitting there, and that, that'll hold 20 times its own weight in water, you know. That's amazing. And uh, it has good antiseptic properties. Even uh, some of the old chronicles of, of ancient Irish history, you know, a thousand years old, talks about the warriors after certain battles dressing their wounds with with moss, you know, with the sphagnum moss like. Cause, that's amazing. And that's it. And then in World War One, it was really, they really looked into it and found that, uh, you know, because septus was such an issue that they they found that this stuff was was great and, and it was better than cotton, for instance, cotton bandages for, uh, for preventing uh, infection. Incredibly, incredibly windy at the moment. Um, so I'm just going to head up to the trig point on the top. I feel like I've come all this way and been battered so far that the least I can do is get to the top. And I'm hoping for a spectacular view once I get there. The last few steps now up to the trig point and uh, wow. <laughs> Wow, even on a really windy, cold, wet day, it is absolutely worth it for this view. You 
can see right across the city and you see the docks there where the Titanic was built, where you see the big yellow cranes. Oh yeah! That's Samson and Goliath, the two big cranes that were put there in the late 60s. And uh, so that's where the Titanic would have sat there. So you can get a good picture of the Belfast Hills looking to the sort of northeast yeah. there. And, uh, and you can see where the communities, you know, the communities live just right at the foot. You know, it's, yeah. like, it's like their back gardens are, are just coming out onto the slope, you know, and, and that's the way right along here, you know, for miles, like, uh, they, they don't have access up here from, okay. from, like, from their back door, you know, to cross private land. And, and that's the thing about Northern Ireland. Uh, we, we don't have those rights to roam uh, that, that you would have in England and Wales and then uh, absolutely in Scotland, you know, where you can nearly go anywhere. Yeah. But people would love to be able to go across the hills and hopefully in time that will happen. So, fabulous views here, but this isn't where we're stopping our walk today. So where are we going now? No, no. So, so we're on the Black Hill here above Black Mountain and, and we're standing at about 1,200 feet. Now we're going to go up another 300 feet. If you think this is windy, <laughs> wait till you get up there. <laughs> All right then, I take that challenge, let's go. So we're up on Divis here about 1500 feet and then you can see the view we've got now, like you can see five of the six counties from here. But also on a clear day now, you would see the hills over in Wales. So it's a, it's a great view, like um, a great, great uh, viewpoint for anybody that can make it up this far. <laughs> he, he battles the way up this far. Uh, and then I, I can see Mal. There's Mal coming up. So, uh, so Mal, how you doing? Hi, Mal. Mal's our, our, I'm Kate. So Mal's the uh, archaeologist for the National Trust in Northern Ireland. And Mal's going to give you a good extensive uh, tour of some of the archaeology around this mountain and uh, and hopefully explain it all Fantastic. To you. Well, thank you very okay, much, Craig. Yeah, yeah. Well, shall head on back down then and go and get warm and dry. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, all Good the best. Good luck. Cheerio. Well, um, we're standing on the summit and it's a great place to start because I, I guess many visitors would come up here and they just think, oh my goodness, it's so exposed. It's so bleak. It's so almost like featureless. But if you look a little bit closer, you see all these different humps and bumps and things that are in the landscape. And this is all part of the history of Divis and Black Mountain. See this mound in front of us that has yeah, a stone absolutely. poking out of the top of it? These are burial cairns. There's at least 10 of these on the mountain. And that cairn, we believe, is what's called a passage tomb. And that would date from around about the middle Neolithic into the late Neolithic period. Wow. Dating to around about 3000 BC. So were people buried in there? Yeah, usually we find that there's cremation burials in those passage stones. And would they be and quite high status people and to be, you know, the effort of bringing bodies or whatever up yeah. to this really, put, you would imagine it would be quite a high status burial. I mean, what, what usually happens is that the burial ritual is usually carried out somewhere else and then a token offering of the burial is brought up and interred in the tomb. Um, to be totally honest, we have 
we have no clear understanding fully of what prehistoric religion was, 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 was you know, what, what the center of it was. But these passage tombs are aligned on sort of um, uh, the solstices. So, I mean, their entranceways will face to the rising sun. So there's very much about this sort of being in touch with nature, about the seasons, about knowing the sky above you. I mean, there's lots of people will actually still come up to Divis now for the whole dark sky effect, that you can see all the constellations here. So there's an astronomical element to prehistoric religion and this understanding of the balance and where you are in the world and your perception of it at the time. So it's, it's quite a remarkable thing to find these sort of, to come up from the lowlands particularly, to come up and bury your dead up here on these iconic peaks. So it's pretty windy up here, Miles. So yeah, if we uh, <coughs> start making our way down. So coming over the brow now, it's a very different as aspect from obviously the east side where you've got Belfast in front of us here is very much sort of farmlands, moorlands going over to the distance. So is there anything else to see on this on yeah. this trip now? When the trust acquired us and we, we did a desk-based assessment, um, we had, I think it was around about six or seven recorded monuments. But it's only when we drilled into it, a team of volunteers out with myself, basically walked the whole mountain and we now have over 200 sites. Wow. We have two enclosures. We'll just stop here for a second because this is one of the enclosures. Um, just this little mound yeah, ahead of us. Yeah, you just see it. Yeah, let's just... Well, you, Almost your, looks like a collapsed hut from it here, does, doesn't it, it really? It does, but quite a large one because it's around about um, 16 metres in diameter. So we've put feelers out to uh, colleagues all over the UK and Ireland. First and foremost, as we've researched across the island, I can't find another like it. From your sort of feeling, how, how old do you think that I structure think is? prehistoric. You know, anywhere from around about 1000 BC, probably right up to around about 400 AD. And there are other little hut sites down here, which... Is that one over there, just a little yeah, bit further there's about, there's about there. seven of them, which are not as prominent as this. And they are simple, circular enclosures. Wow. And they appear to have little paved entranceways that run off in a southeast direction. So it could have been a little community. It's a little community there because, I mean, uh, I mean, seven, if they're, if those are all contemporary, then it's a little community. Fascinating, isn't it? So now, <laughs> you see at this sort of, uh, we have an information panel that was put up here and it's on a nice little sort of sheltered sort of slope here, um, a little terrace you'll see similarities with the other enclosure, which is a little bit smaller in size, but we'll walk off path now and walk down into it. That's amazing. Um, but this enclosure that we're standing in now, you can see automatically very clear yes. entranceway and, um, and quite a thick, deep wall. But as you start looking through here and the thickness of the wall as it extends around, you see walls within it. So, you know, I walk into one now. You're in effect walking from the interior into your room. Oh, okay. And then there's another entranceway there, which leads into so another room. So it's not a solid two and a half meter walk no, all around. It's, not it's like solid little, at all. I just say these little cells. It's like little around. cells built into the wall the whole way around With it. With a massive big, big enclosure. enclosure in yeah, the middle. It is really bizarre. And what and we did was to, to 
to sort of uh, for our own curiosity <laughs> and myself and some archaeologists from Queens and we we teamed up with the Belfast Hills partnership and um, dug a trench across this not only small investigation and what we find was yes it looks like this had even been reused in the 19th century because we were finding those sort of bits of pottery on it and in the valuation map like the other one it seems that they were being used almost as little sort of lean-tos so they were being classified as being agricultural or wow. a, agricultural buildings but it's clearly an earlier structure that has just been taken over which basically meant we had 19th century material at the very top and as we dug down it we went straight on to what looked like prehistoric remains so we were getting neolithic pottery and flint tools almost like a sort of start off a building it's just the same site's been used but the building's changed and increased or yeah and, and it's been adapted and maybe modified so it is we came away from that thinking are we looking at something that has developed and adapted over time and you know when we sometimes think of landscape and particularly when it looks barren like this and we sort of say this is a nice little sheltered spot for for a habitation for a settlement to be well, what's a good spot in the 19th century or in the medieval period or in pre is, is, is always been a good spot. Yeah. So what you find is continuity of settlement. So then suddenly it doesn't become a surprise that you have prehistoric remains here. You appear to have early Christian into the yeah. medieval period and then almost like a reuse of this again in the sort of early modern period. I just think the thing with archaeology is it must be such a thrill to find something and think that you know you're the first person yeah. to hold that or see that for you know sometimes for thousands of years kids and will always say that that's yeah amazing. You pick it up and say what's that and you go that's an end scraper and you explain what it is and then it dawns on them you know that the last time somebody had held that was four yeah. and a half thousand years ago it's it's wonderful oh it's fab got back to the barn now and back to the car park. It's been quite a long walk today, it's probably about four or five miles in some challenging circumstances, should we say. Battle the wind and battle the rain, but it's been absolutely worth it. This place is remote and wild and ethereal and windswept. But it's so close to the city of Belfast. And a really interesting thing actually about this area, you know, if you were halfway up Kinder Scout or you're up any other sort of big mountain range, you would expect to see people walking around in all their hiking gear, proper sort of out and about walkers. But Divis has a completely different feel to it. So this people and a lot of young people are, are walking past us, have been walking past us today. So, you know, teenagers, mums with prams, it really feels like the city's mountains. So the city's people, all of them, that whatever age, whatever gender, are up here using this mountain. And that's what's so lovely about it. And actually does make this area feel quite unique. Thanks for listening to the National Trust podcast. Join us in two weeks' time for the final episode of Series 3, when we'll be learning what it's like to grow up in this landscape of giants. Don't forget to subscribe to this series, and please do give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, from me, Kate Martin, goodbye.
This episode of the National Trust podcast was made possible by Cotswold Outdoor, recommended outdoor retail partner for the National Trust.